Hey everybody, today's episode of the podcast is with the great Ron Carter. Ron is an amazing bassist, composer and teacher. It was truly an honor to speak to him and to have his time was an amazing thing. Ron's played with Miles Davis, Wayne Shorter, Joe Henderson, Andrew Hill. I could go on forever. Uh, his body work is just incredible. He's played on over 2000 records, which is insane and it was truly such an honor to speak to him and I was very nervous <laughs> because I've heard him on so many records that I have so thank you so much to Ron for his time and knowledge if anyone doesn't know Ron's body of work please go out and check it out I'm sure you know it even if you don't know that you know it because he's played on so many records but uh, it was a true honor to talk to him and I hope you enjoy the podcast so, Ron, how are you? Very well, thank you. That's good. You're surviving the crazy life that we're having now. Well, we're all trying to get through the days and make it not so difficult. We'll see how, how the day makes it through us. Are you missing playing live? Um, I'm missing playing my friends. I did some streams with a couple of bands, a trio and a duo mm. quartet. Uh, I miss more than that playing for more than 20 minutes at a time. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure this is the longest you've gone without playing on a regular basis. Nine months, wow. I think so. <laughs> <laughs> it's so weird. I, like, I've talked to so many people, you know, just doing the podcast and stuff, and everyone's everyone's in that same kind of mindset. We're all a bit kind of like, it's just odd. We're still stunned that it's happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I initially thought it was only going to be a few few weeks kind of vibe, and that hasn't happened. <laughs> I, I didn't have a time frame, but I couldn't believe that this is now November 3 of all days, and, and uh, I haven't haven't gone to a nightclub to work for my living yeah. since March 2. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. Some guys, we tweeted before me, you know, but that, that was my last day returning to New York and finding out that there were no gigs for the foreseeable future. Yeah. yeah it's quite amazing. Do you, what, what do you think is going to happen when it come when everything comes back? Well, my my general concern is is that the clubs won't be as many, and they'll be smaller. Mm -hmm. uh, right now, the rules prohibit uh, audiences or restaurant restaurant crowds of more than twenty five percent or so. If you have a club that's two hundred people, I mean the most they can get in there is fifty seats, and you yeah. got a band that's a high powered band that's going to draw people, but they're going to sit fifty people. The, owner, the owner's got to deal with the band that cut their price down by a third, and the band leaders got to hire the band for a half what they would normally get, and then I'm not sure bands or clubs can survive that environment. So we're concerned about the, when it does finally open, we think probably in, in the late spring that there'll be some work left. Right now I'm not looking, I don't, I don't see that happening very well. Yeah. Well, at least we got music. That's one good thing. <laughs> Yeah, that we, we'll always have that. My concern is having it for everybody else but me, you know. Yeah, I understand what you mean. Actually, I was walking when I was walking on the beach yesterday. I was listening to the album you did with Jim Hall, all alone. Jim Hall, all all together. Yeah, all alone. That's nice record. Yeah, my friend, I, I miss him uh, as we speak. Yeah, yeah. What, what was it like uh, working with him? Because I thought he was a very underrated guitar player. Well, you know, he didn't have the flash that guys have, and and. Uh, he didn't make himself socially 
an issue. Mm-hmm. You know, he's been out there and played, made some arrangements, mm-hmm. played some originals, and, and uh, trusted his partner, in this case me, my judgment as to what best know I could find to make him sound reasonable. Yeah, because you're, you're good dance partners. You kind of had this, you played so well off each other on that record. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and live, it was even more fun because it was longer periods of time. There wasn't a five-minute track, you know? Yeah, yeah. Do you, do you find as, as you're getting older, you kind of miss a lot of the people you used to play with? I miss them all. Yeah. I look at the records now and I'm the only one left standing and it's, uh, it's not a nice feeling, but it's one that is, you know. Well, you, d- you don't look 83. You look amazing for your age. Well, I'm a little older than that now. That was 83 in May. Oh, 83 in May. Well, you don't look it. You're looking very good. Thank you. Yeah, really good. And Lee... My, f- my friend up there. <laughs> and Lee, Lee Kantz died uh, this year. Yeah, I went to his... Uh, uh, I went to uh, a memorial of a friend of ours who had passed away and he played saxophone as one of the events of this service, you know, and... Uh, yeah, I've known Lee for a very long time. He and Jim and I made a, a soundtrack for a movie called uh, Desperate Characters with Shirley MacLaine in the late, whenever it was. Yeah. Nice fun playing with him. Yeah, he's, he's a beautiful player. He had a beautiful sound. Yeah. Do you um, play a lot of classical music still, or is it just purely jazz? Well, I, I, I don't get the call because those classical people don't know I exist, by and large. And I'm not offended. I'm just kind of, I miss the environment, you know? Yeah. Because it's a pretty uneven, un- uneven uh, dance card. I know who they are. Mm-hmm. I know their library. Mm-hmm. And they don't seem too interested in learning my my uh, plural, not me personally. My plural, my my environment and and what I do. You know, I think it's not not. Uh, I'm trying to avoid using the word fair because it's not a matter of fair. It's a matter of being uh, well-rounded and understanding there's something out there besides Beethoven and Brahms. I know. I grew up playing classical music. I went to college studying classical music, and it's very. It's like if you're not into classical music, it's like that's all that exists in that realm, which is quite weird for me because there's so much yeah. other music. Yep. Yeah. You know, um, I was talking to one of my friends, um, Enduzo um, Macatini, and he's a he's a, a South African jazz player. He's signed to Blue Note, but we were talking about the silence in music. How important do you feel that silence is within music to use it with regard to how a, how a note might feel after or before? I don't know how he designed to find si- a silence, so I couldn't answer that until I hear some of his samples and I can tell him if I agree or mm-hmm. how I define it. You know, it's a pretty broad word. As many connotations, you know. We were just talking kind of how important it is within a piece of music, just that it can it can change the piece with how how long you leave the silence or how short you leave the silence and well again uh depends on who i'm playing with mm-hmm. if i'm how big the band is what the library is what what the level of interest as far as harmony and rhythm is concerned is you know uh, speaking of uh, classical music when i my students and i go through these etudes which i use to develop their skill as i use mine that needs to be a comma at a certain place, a, a phrase mark. Uh, this is a return to the theme. Those kind of uh, implied silences, you know, a little, little retardo, accelerando. Those things are just part of breathing, you know. And, and mm-hmm. I think that I don't specifically seek out these places. I trust my instinct and, and, and uh, 
my experience had told me that this chord needs to have a, a little more space before it resolves to the next chord or that less space. The, the, the environment depends on all those kind of factors for me. Mm-hmm. Who, who would be like people that you would regard underrated who you played with that you didn't think got enough credit? All of them. <laughs> yeah, all of them are fighting. All, all of them are fighting for life, and and they don't get the kind of exposure they need. You know, the the New York Times has a heading that says, uh, "All the news that's fit to print." That's that's their that's their motto. Yeah. <laughs> I hope they start to add jazz to that list pretty fucking soon. <laughs> Me too, man. It's. It's it's uh, like most people when you say to them they, if you say oh oh I like jazz and they know Miles and they know John Coltrane but you know, they never know Wayne Shorter or Andrew yeah, Hill it, or you know yeah there's a bigger picture you know uh, the the orchestra come the Philharmonic orchestra the Philharmonic orchestra has come to town or the opera has the thing and the, the Times has it in their review before the uh, first applause has stopped you know before the encores take place you know. Jazz bands in town for six days, and we know that they were here by the results of the calendar two months later. Oh, they, they were here by, you know, and, and I have always resented that lack of attention from that part of the media. Yeah, because it doesn't get enough attention. No, it's, it's all those people who don't get that, who, who don't get to the New York Times reviewers' schedule, I find uh, abhorring. So to answer your question, they're all underrated. <laughs> Yeah, because it's they're all not rated because that's what happens. No one, no one, they don't get the exposure, you know. Yeah, because there's so much. Like, I can just go out and buy most Blue Note records that I buy, and I've never heard it before, and I just know I'm gonna love it automatically because it's just you find someone who played on a Miles record or or a Horace Silver record or Lee Morgan record, and then you keep delving in. It's it's like an endless circle of just amazing music, and it's all <laughs> so different than each other. Yeah, yeah. Do do you do you find it different collaborating with someone on a song as opposed to doing your own song? Like when you worked on ESP, those songs you did on that, or do you? Well, you know, jazz groups in general are collaborative ed- mm-hmm. ed- ed- efforts. Mm-hmm. Occasionally, you have a, a Horace Silver who's self-contained, you know, or a Benny Golson who's self-contained, meaning that they come to the sessions with a concept and a, a piece ready for performance, mm-hmm. you know. And there are people like Wayne who come with the same mindset, but they're open to whatever suggestions are around them that makes their piece have a different slant, different tempo, a different key, you mm-hmm. know. Um, again, you know, as, as a side man, you try to be available to all those choices and, and uh, get to recognize when this person doesn't want any help to fix their piece and those people who don't want to help, but clearly that song needs some input from someone else other than their own concept. Yeah. And you got to tiptoe around that issue carefully, but try to find a comfortable resolution because the date still got to go on and this piece is kind of stuck in the middle of the road and, and uh, the composer is not flexible enough to have hear any kind of alteration, any kind of suggestions as to mm-hmm. what make this piece more playable, you know? Uh, so it's a delicate line, but you know, if you if you're sensitive and you've been experienced in how to see a piece differently than the composer wrote it, and you think he's open to your suggestion, you take a chance and step out there. And, and uh, by and large, those people they look at it and say, "Okay, I'll give that thought for the next piece." No, okay, let it let it go. You know. Yeah, you're. Uh, I love that record. You did anything goes. It's like so funky. 
Yeah, that's way back in the day, man. That was when they had the, everybody had an LP, you know. Yeah. It wasn't just three people, you know. Yeah. D- d- what was it like, the, the like the atmosphere? How exciting was it playing back when jazz was at its peak, shall we say? I don't know if those days have gone, so I can't answer that. <laughs> so it's still as exciting as it ever was for you? Me, absolutely is. Absolutely, yeah. I, I'm not into that jazz is dead mindset, so I can't answer that question. That's amazing, man. That's I, I love that. Because I find music, um, it kind of, I love music, but I think it also made me kind of... Uh, a bit too inward, if you know what I mean, because it's such a solitude kind of thing. Sometimes when you're practicing and stuff like that, you can get, you can become very uh, loner type thing. Well, I'm I'm not sure. I don't understand. I don't I don't know that feeling, but uh, to relate to that general concept of loneliness, when I'm playing with a band, I'm with all those guys. Yeah. Guys and gals, you know, however, they, however the band decides it, 16 to 2, I'm with them. I'm not playing by myself. I'm not isolating myself from my environment. How can I play if I do that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I need their help, and then I want to help them. So when you're composing, do you chart out things, or do you just bring stuff in and everyone collaborates, or is have you got a, a rough map? Or I've, I've done both. I brought in a complete composition that I thought was pretty self-sufficient self-sustaining and I bought pieces that brought in songs that I know that it's not quite there guys what can we do to make this piece work and sometimes they have ideas that work for me and otherwise I just put on my on my bulletin board and come back to it later on you know yeah that, that's what's amazing about those records back when Rudy Van Gelder was recording them and that those kind of records was they were done like in one day you know you had to you couldn't be splicing tape because it was quite difficult there's no budget you know, not not a standard standard, but yeah, one day to make the record. Maybe there was a rehearsal two days before. You know, uh, all the guys went in and knowing that they had one one or two takes. Overdubbing was not really in existence just then, and editing solos out for too long and not enough courses meant splicing a tape and it take a certain kind of a skill level credit to do that. So mm-hmm. they're basically complete takes, and it was just a matter of which is the best take of the two takes. You know. Uh, I thought the music was 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 really successful. The performances were all high level. The intensity was able to sustain itself for the entire session because we knew that we have one or two takes, and when we leave here, the record's got to be complete. There's no day after tomorrow for anything else. So we kind of we the the band, the, the musicians, understood what kind of air they were walking into, and they all took care of business. Yeah, it, it, on all those records. It's just the, the records of those times—they just sound so brilliant because just yeah, they sound good records, man. A lot of music. Yeah, it's just so good, and some of them back in the, I think Rudy recorded some of them in his parents' house at the start for Blue Note. Yeah, yeah. Well, he he, he ultimately got his own space in in, in uh, 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 Inglewood Cliffs and, and uh, built his own space and built his own air and built his own. Equipment by and large, and, and uh, really control the sound from the guy's horn to your ear, you know. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was quite quite a unique way to do it. You yeah. Know? What was the difference between Rudy and Creed Taylor, production-wise, or even personality-wise, when they're produ- producing? Well, Creed was a producer, and Rudy was an engineer. That's kind of different jobs. Yeah. If Creed had the idea, Rudy's job was to kind of get it down in the form that people could hear, uh-huh. and the sound could get out of this kind of concept. 
so would you collaborate more with Creed in terms of like music or just production ideas or well, well I, uh, I, I'm, I'm not sure how you define those two as being different <laughs> uh, I, I was I was I was a bass player of a record and they trusted my judgments I trusted theirs if I thought that this tune had had enough mm-hmm. maybe we had to change the format a little bit or maybe if I do this differently than the guy wanted I thought it would make the tune more successful mm-hmm. uh, they trusted my experience they trusted my input you know and they thought that the guys who with which I was hired to play with trusted my sense of maturity and my responsibility and my judgment of an idea and, and attitude mm. uh, so the a nice uh, triad of people who were who were helping to make this music. Rudy's the engineer. Creed had the concept of what kind of sound he wanted to make this record to have, and my kind of job, among others, was to help the band kind of kind of coalesce around this idea and can we make this idea work? When when you're like working nowadays on on modern records, do you do it in the modern way of like overdubbing stuff, or do you all get in the room together? Well, I, I don't do much overdubbing because I'm the, I'm the bass player, you mm-hmm. know. Uh, and generally when I'm done, I'm kind of done. I don't know what they do with it after I'm gone. I try to leave yeah. my footprint and the date so that there'll be something left when they finish editing and remixing and stuff. Uh, you, you say that I haven't done the record in a very long time, and I've kind of forgotten the answer to that kind of question. <laughs> <laughs> I left the studio. I haven't been in the studio since... Uh, January of last year, of this year perhaps, in, in the real studio making the record, you know? Yeah. Almost a year has gone by and I have not been in the studio to make a recording. Wow. So I've kind of forgot to answer that kind of question because <laughs> I, I haven't done it in a long time. <laughs> Do you rather the studio work or the playing live or is it just they're both different different things that you love at the same time? They have different responsibilities and I love them both and I miss them both terribly. Yeah. That's kind of the... the a good thing and a bad thing about modern recording is that you have infinite choices whereas you you know a long time ago you might have a four track or a two track or an eight track and now almost too much choice actually too many choice, 20 options yeah and someone everyone's afraid to say no you know oh, one more one more. No, no one's going to be the guy that says stop you know uh, I've been that guy and I, I felt that my my commentary was necessary at that point. Guys, enough. This is take 37 or so. <laughs> no. Because you lose that, it. You lose that feeling. Yeah. 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 It gets to be too personal, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's, it's like everything. Everything that comes good, everything comes bad with it, you know? You got to stop. Yeah. Yeah. How, how would you describe your playing style? I don't do that. I trust you to do that. <laughs> I'm, I'm the guy. I'm the guy. I'm the guy who plays as best he can all the time. That's kind of what I do. You played electric bass for a while, but you just, you just, you're rather the upright. Well, I thought that there were guys who were so far ahead on the instrument that I didn't have the time. Yeah. To catch up to them because yeah. they were really had sounds going. They had the gear. They understood the physical mechanics. They understood the electronics of that stuff. They were inventing stuff every hour. They were so far ahead of me. I just didn't have the. I knew that I was in in the area that I couldn't I couldn't be, to say the least, competitive. And I had a up, upright sound I was working on. I had some concepts in my head already, and I was comfortable to try to see how far I could make this uh, tree grow. Yeah. How How did you get involved with a tribe called Quest? Because that you played on Low End Theory, the Low End Theory. The guy called. 
I called one day and asked me to make this record with him, and not knowing who he was or what they were, I called one of my sons who was more into the genre than I was, and he told me he thought that this group was the most musical of the ones who were out there at the time, and if the guys called me to make a record with them, they must have thought that I could have been very important to their project. So I got back to them and worked out the deal. Great, had a great time. They're great kids, man. Yeah. I was, to see them, I was trying to see them break up when it was really time for them to step it up one more notch, you know. Do, do you listen to a lot of music outside of jazz? or? Oh, yeah. I'm, right now I'm listening to uh, the, the, the Glenn Gould. Oh, wow. Wilbrick uh, Variations. Yeah. Bach. It's a great recording, man. Uh, he was yeah, an amazing player. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm kind of... I'm, I'm re-listening to stuff that I haven't had time to do. I haven't taken the time to do for a while. And now that I have uh, nine months of not going to the gig every night, you know, uh, I've been forced to sit down and just do some uh, uh, library research of what I have. And, and uh, I've been, been in that for the past month or so, just listening to his global variation, which is, as everyone knows, an incredible performance. Yeah performances of our times yeah so you're a big Bach fan well I'm a I'm a, I'm a music fan yeah <laughs> right now that, that's on my on my literal turntable yeah you know? yeah do you listen to mostly vinyl well I I have a a, a really a pretty a decent set so I do have some nice vinyl and they're issuing more and more of the Blue Note stuff in the original vinyl about about the stick I've been buying you know? them yeah, and, and uh, so I'm enjoying that sound back from the day of the '60s and '70s, you know, when vinyl was the king. Yeah. So I'm listening to I'm listening to whatever it is. That, of course, I have like everybody else, I have some CDs, and occasionally I will play the CD, the version of the vinyl, and see which one strikes my fancy. And yeah. it's an interesting kind of comparative event, you know. Yeah, it's 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 a different kind of way of listening because you have to physically take it out and put it on, and you're almost more involved with it. I'm pretty patient. You know. <laughs> How have you played on over two thousand records? That's it's so I crazy. Got the phone call. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> can you? You can't remember every one of them, can you? No, I'm finding new every day. I, I was uh, someone sent me a list of uh, some a bunch of records, and I didn't remember two out of three. But you know, there's been I've been making records since 1960. Wow. And this is ninth. This is two thousand twenty. Wow! And and if it weren't for this foolishness that's going on in the world, I'd probably be still making them right now. You know. That's amazing. So my, my what I'm doing now, my students have. I'm still I'm teaching online like everybody else. Mm-hmm. And now that I have time to to do stuff, my students said I should listen to this record. Or I should listen to that record. And I remember that. And I. The answer I know I don't remember, but give me the link and I'll find it if I remember it. And uh, ultimately, the memory comes back. But that's what I've been and, and doing for the past uh, six months of kind of being forced to do my own research on me. Yeah, <laughs> I, I did make a lot of music, and I surprised those records that kind of got by my memory after I did them. Yeah, it's it's must be amazing to have just that body work because it's it's when you look at all of the, the records you've played on, it's unbelievable. It's like wow. It's true. <laughs> it's just, it's crazy, man. It's like, I don't know. It's just, I think it's amazing. Um, do you, do you find yourself um, more so 
composing more now that you're in the the predicament we're in at the moment or you just not not so much i like to write for people right now i'm not in that environment of course i'm not playing with anybody i'm not making any gigs mm -hmm. so my my uh my inspirations my reason reasons my environments that I would write for are not are not available to me. So not, I'm not one of those guys who can just sit down and write a piece. That's just not what I do. Right. I admire people who who have that who, who do that. Yeah. I have to sit down and have a write write for I can write for a project. I can write for a concept. But just to sit down and write a write a melody out of my head with no specific goal and other than write it, I'm not very good at that. Yeah. Do you find like books and and uh, maybe something you've seen uh, influence you just as much as music? No. No? Music is really what I... Music, music is the water for what I do. Yeah, yeah. So it's purely music. Well, of course, if you read newspapers every day, that stuff has to, has to affect you, you know, the, the events that are completely out of your control and by and large out of your awareness that you read about them at some other point during the course of the week or the day. And... Uh, of course, those events leave their mark on you, but as, as I understand your question, the music, since I'm in it for a long time, that's my first source of of, of inspiration. I kind of avoid that word, but my first source of where to look for reasons to write. Yeah. That's not necessarily for an intellectual cause or a specific terrible event. Yeah. That's overwhelming. I'm not going to write something called the pandemic blues. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> But that's part of our times, you know. Yeah. Is teaching something that you you love as much as playing? Yes. Yeah. Is is it what do you get out of it more so as as much as playing? Watching, what, watching the kids get better because I've helped them. Yeah. Yeah. That that must be that must be really cool. Yeah, to see them get better because I made a suggestion. That's great. I love that feeling. Yeah. Do you ever associate music with colors? No. No? No tones or anything like that? Not, not really. No? No. What do you play? Um, I play piano and guitar and bits of pieces, sitar and anything I can get my hands on. So are you primarily a journalist? No, I'm a musician, a composer. Okay. Yeah, but just kind of when the pandemic hit and stuff like that I said oh, I'll do podcasts and I've been meeting a lot of cool people and it's great because okay. you just learn from people like you know like like yourself I would learn so much from you just giving me your time which is so I'm so thankful for you it's such an honor to speak to you mm -hmm. but um yeah it's just kind of it's kind of cool because we're okay. you know in the world it's it's a strange time but it's good yeah Yes, and we're all trying to get through every day. I, I tell my friends that I had two Thursdays last week and they ask me how I'm doing. And that lets them know how I am, you know. Yeah, yeah. What um, record of yours would you, if you were to say to someone that they should listen to first, would you recommend? Or I'm sure that's a loaded question because there's so many. Yeah, it, it is. And then again, I've kind of avoided that kind of, kind of specific... Uh, a record, record question because if I give one record, that means that I think lesser of the other 2,219. <laughs> so I, I asked them to uh, just go to the go to the library and pick out one of the two whose titles interest you, and 
did the music and those records matches the titles. And that's a start for them, those people. But I, I would never say this is better, my best record or that's, I had the most fun doing that or that's really important. If I say those kind of specific questions that limits, it means I didn't appreciate as much as the other records because this is the best. And I'm not, they were all the best because I learned every one of them was like going to school free. And I, and I enjoyed being a student of all those records, man. That's cool, man. I well, mean, really. Well, I really appreciate your time. It's been an honor to speak to you. You're, I love the records you played on that I've heard. I definitely haven't heard all 2000 and something, but the ones I've heard are amazing. And uh, I thank you so much for your time and your music and everything. And it's been a true honor to speak to you. And, and I assure you, if I was still recording, I would give you getting better. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's coming back. Just be patient. It's coming back. Good, good. Well, yeah. Thank you really. so much, Ron. I really appreciate this. See you soon. Greetings from Ireland. Have a beautiful thank day. You. And you have a beautiful morning. Morning. Sorry, morning. <laughs> See you, Ron. Thanks. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.